Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. I heard you singing out there. Don't act like you weren't. I heard you. Um, there were some people going old school, like I haven't heard that song in forever. Um, somebody sent me an inappropriate video of this song, Jeremy, um, and <clears throat> I will never listen to this song the same way again in my life. Thanks so much, Jeremy White. But hey, um, today we want to talk to you. This is our last, our last Sunday of Redneck. Um, this series, and today we want to talk to you about that song, Fishing in the Dark, um, because the whole idea of this is that this couple is going fishing in the dark because they want to be with each other, like the husband or the man invites the woman to come with him, and the woman wants to go with him because they just want to be together, right? Even if the fish aren't biting, that's okay. That's not why they're there. They want to be with one another. And I got to tell you, that's just not how it always goes, right? Like, men, you very probably rarely invite your wife to go with you on a hunting trip. Not hunting. When you say it, redneck, it's hunting. Um, uh, a hunting trip. You know, you don't, you probably don't invite her. And she, the other reality is because you know she doesn't want to go. She, she doesn't want to go and sit in a tree and be quiet. Like, we're not talking. We're not connecting. I know. Hush. Um, you know, that's just not her idea of fun. And, and, and so how do we kind of live this life out? in a way that we really enjoy being married to one another. We enjoy the relationship God has blessed us with. Today, I would entitle my message um, to kind of give us a redneck term, happy as a pig in mud. How do you become as happy as a pig in mud? Some of you are like, did he just call me fat? No, I didn't. Get over it. Um, but how do, you, how do you stay happy? Because there's so many people, there's so many couples that I see, they're married they're together, they're not happy, right? They're not enjoying the journey, they're surviving. <laughs> you know, they're like, I'm here, she's here, we're here, I guess. But you're not thriving in your marriage, you're just trying to get day by day through your marriage. And you're like, I don't care which one of us goes first, but somebody needs to pass away quick. Um, you know, uh, this is not the place that, that we want you to be as a church when it comes to your relationships um, and when it comes to just living out life. And, and, and here's, here's the deal. For a lot of us, we've become a lot like 
my cell phone or your cell phone. When, you, when you're on the phone with someone and you, you actually are in a good conversation, you know what I'm talking about. There's some people, be honest, you ignore their phone calls. You're like, I, I don't have time um, to, to talk to them right now. I just don't have time. But there's some people you really do want to talk to all the time. And anytime they call, you find a way to answer the phone, to swipe and answer. Um, and when you're in the middle of a great conversation, it always seems to happen when you're on your cell phone you start losing connection, right? You start losing the bars, and, and, and you lose bars, and you lose connection, and so now you're not able to speak. And the reality is, if you are the one who's losing connection, you start moving, whether that's in your car, whether you walk a little ways to find a better place to get connection, you take action. And what has happened is many of us are like our cell phones. Our, our relationship is like our cell phones, is that we aren't connecting any longer. And there's God, if we're going to stay connected or if we're going to get reconnected with one another, it's not enough to just listen to today's message, but there's action that's going to have to take place on your part and my part so that we can move to a place to where we're connecting with one another another. There, there's got to be more than us just consuming, but we start living this thing out too, and we start fleshing this thing out and not expecting a sermon to fix it all. No, no, no. If all you came to here to do today is say, fix me, Justin, good luck with that, right? I feel like Dr. Phil. How's that working out for you? Um, but if you're willing to take action, then you're going to be able to reconnect with one another. If you're willing to move and to get out of the habits you've just drifted into, but start creating new healthy habits to get into, you're gonna be able to connect with one another. So how do we connect with one another? The first way is this, is that you have to become who you should be before we can become who we were meant to be. You have to become who you should be before we can ever become who we were meant to be. Now, let me talk to all of my singles in this place, whether you are a teenager, whether you're a college student, whether, man, you're not a young single anymore, you're just single, right? Um, there's a difference. You're like, I'm, I'm not a young single. I'm just single. Maybe you've been divorced. What, what, whatever it may be, you find yourself in this place where you're, you're just, you're, you're part of one. Can I tell you, and I try to say this all the time, but there's nothing wrong with you there's nothing wrong with you. If you are single in this place, it's not a judgment on you. So many times in churches, we feel like we have to fix people if they're single, right? Oh, well, I know somebody I need to get you fixed up with. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. Why don't we just let people figure that out on their own and be okay being alone. It's, it's okay to be alone. And I would tell every man and every woman in this place, when Jesus came and he said, I came that you may have life and have it to the full, he didn't say that to a crowd of married people, right? He just said that to people, people that were willing to follow him, people that were a mess, right? Even people that had no idea about what this whole following God thing was all about. He shows up on the scene and says, man, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly, have it to its fullest measure. And he didn't say that just to people that were married. He said that to everybody that was willing to follow them. And can I tell you, if you are here in this place and you are a young lady, you are a woman, 
men in this place, you don't need a man to start chasing after the purpose and dreams that God has put inside of you. Start being who God has called you to be. Stop keeping your destiny dependent on a man and start stepping out and taking hold of what God has for you to do because he has something awesome for you to do, to be a world changer for you. You don't need a boy or a man to accomplish the purpose which God has for you, okay? Stop waiting for somebody to fulfill your destiny and just start living the life that God's called you to. Men, if you're here, stop waiting for that woman to come along to start getting your stuff together. Get it together. Become a man. Act like a man and be the man that God has called you to be. But Justin, you don't know what I've come out of. You don't understand what I'm dealing with. I don't know what you've come out of. I don't know what you're dealing with, but I do have a great idea of what God is wanting to call you into. And you can keep making excuses or you can become a man of action. It's going to be an either or thing. And so stop waiting. Start letting God do the work on you so that when you do come into contact with someone, or if you come into contact with someone, you may be single the rest of your life. You're like, don't say that. You might be, right? And that's okay. Live this life to the full where you are. Here's what the Bible says. It says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 4 through 6, if someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love them. This is how we know we're living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Let, 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 leave this just there for a second, as, as Jesus did. Not as Christianity tells you to, not necessarily as a church is telling you, but about how our job, not, don't live your life as I'm living my life, because you know what? I'm going to mess up just like any other person. Don't live your life the way your parents lived their life, because they're, they're going to mess up no matter what, too. Live your life based out on how Jesus lived his life. That's what you and I are called to do. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 through 24 says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Put on your new nature nature. Nobody can put on your new nature for you but you. I, I, I run into people quite a bit that I went to high school with, that I went to college with. Um, we can be in the middle of nowhere and we run into somebody and my kids are like, why? Why do we run into people every time, dad, that you know? I'm like, I got no idea. Uh, but we, we will run into people in Colorado and they, they'll come up, they haven't seen me since college and like, hey, hey, Justin, are you still absolutely insane? Which is code for, do you run around naked everywhere still? Like, and I'm like, no, no, no I, 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 I'm still crazy. I'm still goofy, but no. And they're like, do you remember when? And I'm like, I, I, I remember. You know, I, I wasn't drunk. I totally remember what I did. Um, and they're like, do you do that again? Do you still do that? I'm like, no, no. I'm like, are you serious right now? Like, I did some stupid stuff back then, back in the days, that I tell my kids about. And I'm like, and this is why we don't do that, right? Like, Because they're going to hear it anyways, so I might as well use it for a life lesson instead of somebody using it as ransom against me. Um, 
but like, I'm like, people show up and like, oh, oh do, do, are, are you still crazy? And no, I grew up, right? I grew up and that is not who I am any longer. In fact, it says this in 1 Corinthians 13, right in the middle of the love chapter, the love section. It says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I reasoned like a child and I acted like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I stopped acting like a child. Can I tell you, for some of us, for some of us in this room, we want to point and blame everything and everyone else for the reason we act the way we act. And can I tell you, that's what kids do. That's what kids do. If you are going to allow God to work on you, you've got to start accepting responsibility for who you are and let God start doing the work for who you can be. Because hear me, whether we're married or whether we're single, your relationships will never be what they can be and should be until you are what you should be and can be. Because just like a cell phone, if you don't have a connection to your network, whether that's AT&T or Verizon, in fact, when Verizon went out the other week, you couldn't get a hold of people. You couldn't connect with other people. If you're not connected to the network, you cannot connect with other people. And if you do not have a daily connection with your creator, you're going to have a problem daily connecting with those that God has put around you. It is huge, 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 huge for us to connect with our creator and to make sure that we're becoming who we should be so that we can become all that we as a couple are meant to be. How do we stay connected? Second thing is that we treasure one another. We treasure one another, right? Here's what Proverbs chapter 18 verse 22 says. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favor from the Lord. Guys, it doesn't say that whoever, whatever woman finds a man, whatever woman finds a husband finds a treasure. No, 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 no. Who, the man who finds a wife finds a treasure. If it was the other way, it says, you know, whatever, you know, the, the woman who finds a man you know, finds a to-do list is what it would say. Like, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta fix this, I gotta fix this, I gotta fix this. That, that, that's what Proverbs would say. This is saying this, you found a treasure in who God has blessed you with as a man, finding what you have in your wife. And I would ask you, when's the last time you looked at your wife honestly and say, man, I really value you. I really treasure you. You're a treasure, right? We don't do that. In fact, here, here, here the book, of the Song of Solomon says this. Song of Solomon, chapter four, verse nine through two, nine through 10. You have captured my heart, my treasure, my bride. You hold it hostage with one glance of your eyes with a single jewel of your necklace. Your love delights me, my treasure, my bride. Your love is better than wine, your perfume more fragrant than spices. The writer of, of the book of Solomon is saying this, girl, you smell better than pepper, right? <laughs> like, you smell better than nutmeg. Get over here so I can sniff you, girl. <laughs> Treasure you. But, but here's a question, <laughs> right? Like you start reading this, you're like, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Mmm, girl, um... Can I tell you, 
When's the last time you've treasured your bride? You treasured your spouse because here's what I, this is what I know about you, about me, is that what we treasure, we protect. What we value, we protect. You don't have your life savings just sitting on the top of your living room table hoping that it never gets stolen. No, you have put it in a place called a bank to where it's protected because you value that. And if you and I truly treasure one another, we'll protect one another. We'll protect that relationship. We'll value that relationship instead of taking it for granted. Can I tell you the biggest enemy to you valuing one another and you treasuring one another is getting too used to one another. It's getting too familiar with one another. This past uh, birthday on April 28th, my kids got me a a new watch. My wife got me a new watch. It's a G-Shock watch. It's like this military grade watch. It's supposed to be indestructible. And I loved it because I wanted something I could be active with. And I wore it every day. Every day I wore this watch for a whole month. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Um, But but here's the problem. When I wear something every day, like if I wear something every once in a while, um, I'm super careful with it, right? But when I wear something every day, I get used to it. And so I started putting this watch just down on end tables and coffee tables. And uh, one day I put it on an end table. And many of you know, I have a new puppy. Um, It's a giant schnauzer that's about nine months, eight months old. Uh, He's about 70 to 80 pounds now. He's black. We call him Vader. Most of the time it's Lord Vader. Um, All Star Wars. Yes, we're that nerdy. And um, all of a sudden Vader comes up wagging his little butt and he's chewing on something. And I'm like, hey, bud, what you got? And it is my new G-Shock watch. This is it. And I'm like, oh, you dummy. And like the girl, like Charlie, my oldest, was like, dad. And she, I know she thought I was going to beat the dog at this point. And I just grabbed the watch out. And I'm like, you dummy. And I'm talking to myself. You know why? It's not Bader's fault, believe it or not. It's my dumb fault for putting it someplace that he could get it. And here's why. It's not that I don't love this watch or didn't love this watch. It's I got used to this watch. And can I tell you, I I believe with my whole core inside of me, it's not that we don't value our spouse. It's not that we don't love our spouse. It's that we've gotten used to our spouse. And when we get used to our spouse, we don't treasure and we don't value our spouse near as much as we should. And if you're going to stay connected, if your marriage is going to be lived out to where you're happily ever after, learn to value one another. Learn to not get used to one another, but to call her your bride, my treasure. Man, get over here so I can smell you because you smell good, girl. Like value one another. Just tell him he doesn't stink and that's good enough for us, guys. Like value, treasure one another, and you will stay connected. The third way that we stay connected is that we stop being selfish. Stop taking and start serving. Stop being selfish. James chapter 3 verse 16, for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Can I tell you, if you're selfish, there's disorder in your relationship. 
If you're being selfish, there's disorder in your relationship, in your marriage, in your home. And it doesn't just, when your marriage is being affected, it affects the relationship with your kids. And I say this all the time and I get pushed back on it, especially when couples have been, are on their second marriage. But I, I, listen to me. I, I know that I have not been divorced and remarried. Hear me though, as your pastor, as your pastor, Mm, get this, your most important relationship is always with your spouse. It is. Because if this can stay good, the rest of your family unit can stay good. Your, your kids, the, the, man, your kids want to see you make it. And it develops a healthy family when there's a healthy marriage. Make sure you're staying connected to one another. But when we become selfish in that relationship, it disrupts all the relationships in the home. It it disrupts it all. It, It makes it start going crazy. There is a place in this world that is the most selfish place, and it happens every day. It happens almost every hour. Some of you, you experienced it this morning before you came to church, and you're going to experience it after church, and it is called the high chair. Um, it is the high chair to me is the most selfish place that there is because you got this little baby who's in this high chair and you, you think you're going to control what that baby eats, right? Until you decide to give that baby some ham, canned ham, like, ugh. you know, like ham and peas or ham and carrots. And, and they're like trying it and you're like shoving it in. And when they don't open, you're like trying to force a spoon in. And you can't serve a baby, feed a baby without doing a little lip things like, you know, like. Eat, eat it, eat it. Um, it just happens. If you don't believe me, watch your spouse when they're trying to feed the baby. They're like, um, but here's the deal. If that baby don't want to eat it, they're not going to eat it. You can yell, Tina, eat your ham, just like Napoleon Dynamite, eat your ham, you know. Um, it, it doesn't matter. And you know what? They don't like it. They're going to scream at you. And you don't whip its butt because it's screaming at you because it's a baby, right? You're just like, okay, we got to figure out something. You know, if you're hungry, I'll, I'll feed you. If you're dirty, I'll change you. If you need sleep, I'll give you some sleep. I mean, they're calling all the shots and the high chair is just selfish. So all you parents that are picking up your baby after service, just grab him and look at him and say, you selfish little sucker this morning. Um, <laughs> I'll help you out. <laughs> but can I tell you, the, the high chair is the place of high maintenance, right? Babies are high maintenance. And some of you, your marriage is being lived out in the high chair. And you say you're high maintenance like it's a badge of honor. It's not a badge of honor. You got to get over yourself. Let me, let me just, I, I'm telling you hard things this morning because I care way more about your relationship than I do about your feelings this morning. Man, you, if you say, well, I'm just a high-maintenance person, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Kick the foot down and grow up. Because I'm telling you, your spouse can't say this to you, but I can. Your marriage isn't going to make it for the long term if, you're having, if your spouse is having to take care of the high chair. They're, they're, it, it's not. They're going to wear out. There's a reason your baby grows up because God knew you could only take them being this long, this big, being a, you're like, how small are your babies? Uh, being, <laughs> being a baby for that long? 
for a certain amount of time. You need them to keep developing, and your marriage needs to keep developing to where there's not two selfish people or even one selfish person, that there's not takers, but there's two givers in the relationship. It says this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 4, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, right? That's when we get in trouble is when we're trying to impress people that don't even know us, right? That, that, whoa, we gotta look good. Not, who cares? <laughs> Stop trying to impress people that don't even know you. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. And I would challenge you with this scripture today. Let this be the mantra for the rest of this year in your marriage. Because sometimes we do really good about looking out for other people's interest and taking interest in others with everybody but our spouse. And I call it leftovers. We make our spouses live on our leftovers, whatever's left over from our friends, from our work, from our day. And here's the leftover of me instead of giving your spouse the best. Man, allow yourself to look out for the interest of your spouse and of others. That, that's what it's all about. Now, now, give me two seconds here, and I've got to keep moving. But if, 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 uh, if you are somebody that you're constantly stressed out, you have a stressful job, a stressful work environment, if you're somebody who is overwhelmed easily, if you're somebody that, man, some, sometimes you have chronic just pains and things, hear me, and I'm saying this with as much kindness and patience because I don't understand that, but hear me, you can't allow emotions to lead the relationship. You can't allow the way you feel to run the relationship because just because you don't feel good doesn't mean that you can't not do good. Right? Because you're, you, you, I just don't, I've got a headache. I don't feel like, you know, putting you first. And that, that can happen for a day or so. But when it becomes a habit, when it becomes habitual, it becomes and makes a sickness in your relationship. When you say, babe, I've just had a horrible, stressful day. That's okay every once in a while. But when it becomes every day and you start taking it out on your spouse and you start taking it out on your kids, then it becomes a problem. When you say, I just need to veg out, and you just shut down instead of check in when you get home, that's going to be a problem. You're not valuing one another. It starts becoming a problem and an issue. And you can't allow your feelings to run the relationship, or the relationship will never have consistency to it. And I would just tell you, if you are constantly keeping score if you're constantly keeping track of what you've done and what they've done, you're busy taking inventory instead of giving love. There's a big, big difference. And I am sure glad my wife doesn't keep score in inventory because I would be way behind. Make sure you're giving love and not keeping inventory. The, the last way we stay connected is simply this. We love each other like we are commanded to instead of how you want to. We love each other how we're commanded to instead of how we want to. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. How, how do we outdo one another loving one another? Doing good for one another, right? How, how do we stir, how do we motivate each other in that? Second John chapter one, verse five through six says, I am writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. 
This is not a new commandment. This isn't something you haven't heard, but one we have had from the beginning. Love means doing what God has commanded us. And he has commanded us to love one another just as you heard from the beginning. I would tell you this, stop leaving love as just an emotion because my love is very conditional if it's emotional. My love is very conditional if it stays emotional. And right now, there is this big trend that's saying, oh, I just fell out of love. I, I, just, I just don't love you anymore. That wake up one day, and we're talking people that have been married for years, just saying, well, I just don't love you anymore. I just don't feel it anymore. I've fallen out of love. And, and hear me, it's not about falling in love, and it's not about falling out of love. It's about choosing love. And it's about loving like God has commanded you to love your spouse. Because newsflash, every marriage in this place, hear me, whether you've been married two weeks, and you're like, not us, not us, not us. Hear me, hear me, you're going to wake up one morning and the butterflies aren't going to be there. Especially when she has thrown up and she didn't brush her teeth and she's still sleeping in the same bed with you. And you're like, oh, you know, you smell that morning breath and you're like, whoa, girl, girl. Um, no, 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 the, 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 the butterflies aren't going to be there. So do you just go, well, what happened? No, you choose to love. You choose to love the way God has commanded us instead of the way that you feel. You don't let love stay in its adolescent state of emotion, right? You don't let it just stay a feeling, but you follow the way that Jesus called us, not just to love church people, not just to love our neighbors or our friends, but that spouse, your treasure, that you choose to love one another. You're not, you don't just fall out of love. You're choosing to stay in love and to keep loving despite the emotions, despite the feelings, because that's the way he's called me and he's commanded me to love one another. And it's the last thing, I'm running out of time. But, but hear me, love is way more than magic and bippity-boppity-boo moments. Love is working hard over time. And so many of us, I gotta stop. So many of us, so many of us, we think this one magical moment's gonna fix it all. This, this one magical vacation, this one magical conversation, we're gonna have this one magical getaway, we're gonna have this one magical uh, counseling session. And I'm a huge fan of that. We think this bibbity bobbity boo moment's gonna happen and the creepy godmother is gonna pop out and just be like, you're fixed, yay, go and be happy. No, 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 no. It's not gonna get fixed by one magical moment, but it's gonna take you deciding to roll up your sleeves and to lead through your emotions and despite emotions and to work hard at your marriage every day and to lead your emotions to the place you want them to because hear me, emotions are great in moments but work, working hard is great for a lifetime and if you're going to have a great marriage that brings fulfillment and significance, if you're gonna have a standout marriage, which I want and I think most of us do, that stands out from the crowd in society, it's going to take you and I working hard at it. There's no easy fix to it. But when you're willing to work hard, you'll find how amazing it is to be married and how easy it flows because you're willing to work. 
You're willing to not be selfish. You're willing to love like God has commanded. I'm done with this. <laughs> but for those of you, you say, well, Justin, I'm just, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can stay. I don't know if I can keep going because I, I, just, I, I just don't know. And sometimes when we're at that place, we want to excuse our situation being different. My situation's different, and you, you're sitting there saying, I know I've heard this, I know I've heard this. I want, I want you to hear me. Stop saying that. Stop isolating your situation from everybody else's. Don't say you know, listen. Don't say your situation's different, listen. Even if there are a hundred reasons to leave, find your one to stay. There, there are gonna be a hundred reasons for you to leave, find your one to stay. There can be a hundred reasons for you to give up, find your one to hang on. And if you're having trouble hanging on, hear this, and I close with this, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. Stop talking about how wrong you've been, how horrible they've been. That's not love. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Hear this, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Find your one thing because if you find your one thing, it's amazing how you'll find your second thing and you'll find your third thing and you'll find your fourth thing. And all of a sudden, all your reasons for leaving disappear and all your reasons for staying start reappearing because you start leading out of what love was really meant to be instead of what you've let it be. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. God, I come before you and I just pray for every relationship, every marriage in this place, for every person that God, you would do a work in us. God, that, that we would allow ourselves to be put back on the potter's wheel and for you to form and for you to make and for you to create us in your image so that our marriage, so that our relationships can function like they should, like you've designed. And so, Lord, no matter where we are at the spectrum, I pray that all of us would take a true, honest look about where is our relationship and what work do we need to put in. The Lord, we would stop waiting for that magical moment. We would stop waiting for that bippity-boppity-boo moment. And the Lord, we would have a moment where we hear what you are telling us. That we stop keeping ourselves closed off and saying it's different. We're different. It's a different situation. I know all this. It's different. God, that we would stop that and stop surrounding ourselves with people that just agree with us. And that we would hear what your word says to us. And that we would not let love just stay in emotion in an adolescent phase. But we would do the unselfish job of working at it and loving each other as you have commanded. And that we would let love be truly as powerful as it was designed to be. Not messy, not emotional, but powerful practical, impactful, that brings significance and that makes all the difference in the situations. Lord, I pray guard every relationship and let your blessing be upon them and let, man, just speak to us so that we can do what you're calling us to do and be who you're calling us to be. 
In Jesus' name I pray with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning if you're here and you say, Justin, I'm here today and I hear what you're saying that we'll never be who we're meant to be if I'm not who I should be. Whether there's a we in that this morning or whether it's just you, you say, Justin, I'm not who I should be. Maybe you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We want to give you that chance. But maybe you're here and you just drifted away. And there's a change that needs to happen in you. I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. We're going to lead you in a prayer. We're not going to embarrass you. But we're going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here this morning? You say, Justin, that's me today. There's one hand. There's two hands. Is there anyone else? You join these two hands that are lifted before we go any further in service. You say, Justin, I've, I've just drifted. I just somewhere along the line drifted away. And I need to get things right before we go any further in service. You join these two hands that are lifted. If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I've sinned and that I've messed up. But I ask for your forgiveness. I ask that your grace and love would enter my life. I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give these two individuals that raised their hand a huge round of applause? Yeah. Hey, if you raise your hand, do this for us. Um, man, stop by our Connect Center as you're walking out. It's going to be the bright green room. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a Connect group, feel free to email me at Nicole at foundationschurch.tv. that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.